Let's go ahead and bow our head as we come to it this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your great love. We thank you for who you are. And uh, Father, I just pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive the word that you have for us this morning. And Father, I pray that it would find fertile soil in our hearts, that it just wouldn't be a feel-good thing, but Lord, that when we hear your word, it causes us to change and grow as we become more like you as our faith increases and our revelation of who you are increases. Father, speak to us this morning and let us be willing to hear and listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on in our, our, um, our series on who we are as a church. And as you know, we've, we've been going over the last few weeks talking about the culture of Living Hope, <laughs> Living Hope Family Church. You thought my tongue got twisted before. Now I've got a mask on. I breathe in. I suck in cloth. This is great. Hallelujah. Hot breath. This is fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, I have to tell you that I will be very excited when uh, uh, we get to a point where this kind of stuff isn't necessary. And I, I know some of you are thinking, it's not really necessary now, but the truth is, is that the reason why we do these things is that we don't want to cause offense to anybody. There are people out here that, that, that believe it's necessary. And uh, I would hate for them to watch our live stream and go, oh, he's not wearing a mask, those Christians, we're just done with him. I don't want to cause offense for anybody. That's, so that's, you know, that's why we're wearing it. That's why I'm asking our, our volunteers and our workers to wear it. It's because, we, man, it's a silly thing. I can wear a mask. It's not going to kill me. But if it causes somebody to be offended to the gospel, then it's worth wearing it to me, amen? But I'll still complain about it because it's terrible. <laughs> Hallelujah. So... Uh, Anyway, who we are as a church, the culture of who we are is, is uh, we're a generous people. And uh, I think that being generous is an incredibly important character trait for a Christian. Every single Christian should be generous. It should be a, a, a part of our being. And, and as a result of that, that means that we're givers. And I'm, I'm not just referring to the tithe. I'm not just referring to offerings to the church you know, that's the, uh, uh, the thing that's tough about teaching on this stuff is, is one, I, I grew up and, and I always had this idea that the church was just after your money. Anybody ever felt like that or thought that at one point in their life? Praise God, I've got a great group of people here. Anyway, I felt like that when I was growing up because that's what I've been told by the TV and media and all that stuff. And, and I didn't really understand giving. And, you know, there was all these stories of, of, of rich um, you know, televangelists that were taking advantage of people and they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I had this idea that, that, that the church, they just wanted your money. And I didn't understand what it was all about. And then as I, I grew and I began to read the Word on my own, how many know that that'll, that'll alleviate a bunch of misconceptions that you have about the church? If you just read your Bible. That'll iron so much stuff out. So then I realized that, wait a minute, this giving thing, one, I realized giving and being generous isn't all about money. How many know it's not all about money? That's a big part of it. But it's, it's about so much more. We're to be generous with, with not just our, our money, but our possessions, all of our possessions. We're to be generous with our love, with our kindness, with our compassion, with mercy, with forgiveness. We're to be generous with all these things. And maybe the most important thing that we should be generous with is our time. And I, I have to, to 
say I am so blessed by this church because so many of you have been generous with your time, with your finances. I mean, for all the stuff that we had going on and, and, and helping people with that website that we had up, you know, like when we asked the guys, we need stuff, we're going to help people. Everybody stepped up. And, and we have, uh, right before this all happened, if you guys remember, I said, who wants to be a worker? And almost everybody's starting to get involved with the church. You guys are so generous. So today is not about pointing fingers and telling you how you're doing it wrong. This is just a reminder. It's just encouragement. Let's keep doing the things that we're doing. Because you guys are awesome. You guys are, are, are so generous, and I'm so blessed by that. And I just want to say thank you to everybody for the generosity in this church. Amen? But here's the thing. It's such a simple equation. How many know that we're made in the image of God? How many know that God is generous? That means we're generous. Sometimes we don't always act it out, but the truth is, is that, 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 that when you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, that you're generous. And, and I think this is why stingy people are never happy, because they're missing something. You know, that was the... Uh, but people who give are just full of joy. Have you ever noticed that people that give stuff away, they're just always happy. They're always full of joy. And sometimes they have less than anybody else just because they're fulfilling their purpose. They're, they're fulfilling who they actually are. And the truth is, like I talked about earlier, it's not all about money, but we do have to get the money part out of the way, right? Talking about money is hard. There's a few things that are difficult to discuss. Money is, is one of them, and... Uh, so let, let's, let's, let's just put some, some facts out on the table. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about love. That's interesting. Jesus talked about money more than anything else except the kingdom of God. One most of the parables talk about money. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. That's a lot. So, why do I bring this up? Obviously, money is important to God. But it's not important to God because He needs your money. And, and the, the truth is, is that, that you know, when, when we talk about this stuff, people think the church just wants your money or the Pastor Wayne is just trying to get rich off everybody else. I don't need your money. Matter of fact, I don't take any of your guys' money. Many of you guys know, know this, but I, I don't receive a salary. I'm, I, I work full-time in a regular job. Everything I've done here for the past seven years we've been doing this has been completely volunteer. I'm not in it for the money. I once had somebody um, uh, be upset because I, I, she said I mentioned that. She, uh, they, they felt like I was, I was trying to make people feel bad when I would mention I don't do it. But the truth is, is that the reason I mentioned it is because I want you to know that I'm committed I'm not here for a paycheck. I'm not here for anything but to serve God. Now, it's true. I would like to be able to go full time and quit my other job and have the church support me. But I'll do this as long as I have to because I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it to serve in the kingdom of heaven. I'm in it for you guys to be a blessing to you. So I don't need your money. And God certainly doesn't need your money. So why is money so important? The problem is, is that Money so often has us. And giving and being generous is all about you. 
It's about uh, something that happens inside of your heart. Amen? So let's go ahead and, and start diving into some scripture on that. Can we look at the first scripture here? In Acts 4, 32 through 35, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Next slide. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. You know, when I was reading this scripture, it got me thinking, these people were different now. The, the people in the early church, they were different. Because if you think about it, it's not much different back then as it is today. One of the things that I always like to say is that people haven't changed, only technology has. People in the, the Old Testament were just like us. And the, the idea of the world, the attitude of the world has always been on self, one of selfishness or, or one of self-preservation. But their attitude was different. Why? Why was there, why? This, this thing that they were doing, selling everything and coming together and making sure everyone was, that was different. It didn't look like what everyone else was doing it. So what was the difference? They had Jesus. Something had changed inside them. They were beginning to look like Jesus. They were generous. And God is, God is generous. God, God, John 3.16, we all know that one, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should have everlasting life. God gave his son for us because God is generous. God gave everything for us. 1 John 3.1, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Gener God is generous. And when you get saved, when you get born again, you get the Spirit of God inside of you and you should begin to start looking like him. You say, but I'm not generous. Well, neither will these people. Their life before this was just like everyone else, but something changed inside of them. And they were finally beating past that initial instinct that we all have to keep everything for ourselves. We all want to, to preserve everything. We want to keep it for ourselves. And our brokenness, before you get saved, that's all you are is Selfish. All you have is selfishness. But in Jesus, when we're walking in Jesus, when we're walking in step with the Spirit, we're selfless. We care about others more than we care about ourselves. You know, that's actually what sin's power is, is it keeps you looking at yourself. It's all about fulfilling your needs, fulfilling your stuff. That's one of the things we just, we just uh, received communion this morning. And uh, one of the things I reminded you is this isn't a time to look at your failures. It isn't a time to look at your your, your uh, mess-ups, but it's the time to remember what Jesus did. Because if you focus on your sin, what are you focusing on? Yourself. Instead of focusing on Him. In Matthew 6.24, the next slide up here, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in, and money. Did you ever wonder why generosity is so important to God? And we just talked about earlier, God doesn't really need our money. So what, why is this so important to God? 
the things that we are unwilling to give up have control over us. The things that you're unwilling to set aside, they have complete control over you. And anything that you put above God, it does have that hold on you, but it also will ultimately disappoint you. Did you know that wives that put their husband first above God will ultimately be disappointed? Husbands that put their wives before God will ultimately be disappointed. If your job comes first in your life above everything, you're ultimately going to be disappointed. I can tell you that firsthand. As my family almost fell apart and my, my, my son who was young didn't, didn't even want to come near me, I remember I used to work for Frito-Lay and I had this idea in my head that the way you took, took care of your family was by providing financially. Now don't get me wrong, that's important. You need to provide for your family. But that's not everything. So I worked 60, 70 hours a week. I was never home. And when I was home, I wasn't really home, if you know what I mean. I, I just wanted to be by myself and, and I was tired. And, and um, my son, when he was really little, he never really wanted to come to me. And I thought that was just normal, you're right? You know, kids, love, kids always want their mom. They don't want their dad. And, and I ended up getting hurt and I couldn't work for a week. And in that week, my son's attitude began to change. And he actually wanted to be with me, wanted to spend time with me, and, and my eyes were suddenly opened that maybe the job isn't everything that's important in my life. You see, when you put your job first, ultimately you're disappointed, and that, that happened to me. And that's just the start of it. I mean, my relationship with my wife was a disaster, and as much as I was working, we still weren't making enough money because if money is what's important to you, you always need more. If we don't want to be disappointed, we have to put God first in our life. And sometimes that means giving up some stuff. You know, in the book of Acts, that group of people, they gave up everything. They sold it all, piled it in a big pool, and they just made sure everyone was taken care of. Only church that's mentioned in, though, you don't see that in other ch or churches in, mentioned in the Bible. That's not, that's not something for all of us to do. But if God tells you to do it, you better do it. And I'm not saying you have to sell everything. But listen, if, if something has control over you, then let it go, whatever it is. And then trust God to make sure that you have what you need. Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You remember, if you go back a few verses, verse 25, it starts with, Don't be anxious about life. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. But instead, put your trust in God. If we put our trust in God, God's going to make sure that you're taken care of. You're going to have everything that you need. Are you going to be rich? I don't know. Most people won't because they couldn't handle being rich. You know, one of the things about, about uh, uh, money is, is that many people that have it, it just corrupts them. It just causes them to do all kinds of dumb things. But if we put God first, everything that we need will be taken care of. Amen? 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19, it's the next verse up here. It says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works. So we just talked about this today. Good, do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. The storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly 
life. You know, we talked about this is the scripture I used in the offering this morning about where is our treasure and what is important to us. And the thing is, is, is we just talked about if serving money is wrong or serving ourselves is wrong, then how do we go about doing the right thing? And how do we go about making sure that, that our, 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 our family and our church and the people around us are doing the right thing? Well, we have to teach it. We have to learn what the Bible says of money. We have to learn about all these things. And, and that's one thing that God has always worked on my heart because it's uncomfortable for me to teach this. Now I know up here I look all dapper and suave and you can't really tell because I got skills. But on the inside, talking about this stuff just twists me up because I always feel like people aren't going to hear my heart on this subject. And they're going to think the same way that I used to think. He just wants your money. And that, that's truly not the case. But the thing is, is that we, we do have to teach this stuff. We have to teach what the Bible says about money. And I hope as I'm teaching this, nobody here is feeling uncomfortable. Hopefully it's just me feeling uncomfortable. Hopefully you guys are much more mature in this area and you got it figured out. But the thing is, is that when we hear about this, and especially the church talks about money, we all feel uncomfortable because our entire lives revolves around making money. And unfortunately, that's just true. You get up, you go to work to make some money, to put food on the table, to take care of your family. And your, our entire lives is about getting up, making money, and then spending money. And there's not really much we can do about that. That's just part of life. And it's not inherently a bad thing as long as we're doing it in a godly manner. And that's why we have to teach and learn what the Bible says about this stuff. But the reality is, is that being generous and giving and the church has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the church building. It has everything to do with each and every one of us individually. Philippians 4, 15 through 17 says, And you Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Now that I, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. You know, that's why... I, I want to teach this stuff and do it well is because the reality is, is that, that when we give, when we're generous, it's, it's added to our credit. It does something inside of you. One, generosity releases something inside of you and puts your eyes on the right thing. And one of the things for me as the pastor of the church is, is, is to use what you have given responsibly and to do the right thing. And to not take advantage of you. Because the truth is, is there, are been, there have been leaders in the church that have taken advantage of people. And that's why that stigma is out there. And the truth is, is, is yeah, the, like I just talked about, the world revolves around money. Electricity costs money. The lease costs money. But when, when you give, it's not about that. We don't do it to keep the light bills on. We do it out of a love for God. And that's just something that happens because of that. And there's a, something that increases in your account and you become more generous and you begin to look more like God. And I'm thankful that when, when you guys are generous, God is working and moving in your life. And I, I love it as a pastor. One of the best things about being a pastor is I see people grow and increase as they, as they go and live their life. And I love it when people are, are stepping into maturity and God is moving in their life. So that means that I have to teach this stuff because it's important for you. 
And that means that you need to be teaching your kids this stuff. And teaching your kids what's important and how they should be doing things. And not only should you be teaching them, you should be letting them see. Not a, a, a do as I say, not as I do, but actually demonstrate to them what this looks like. Amen? And when we're talking about generosity, I don't just mean money. That's a big thing. But it's in everything. Let your kids see you be generous with your time, with your praise. Let your kids be, see you be generous with your encouragement and with your love. Demonstrate generosity in all of these areas. Because if all your kids see you be generous with is selfishness and stinginess, what do you think you're going to be reproducing in them? And this idea of, of giving and, and, and receiving is a, an important principle in the Bible. Let's go ahead and uh, go to the next slide. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, and another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. You see, the other thing that giving does is it opens up an avenue for God to bless you. When you're being obedient to Him, when you are living the way that He wants us to live, it opens up avenues for Him to bless us in return. But the opposite is, is also true. When we are generous in those other things, it opens up avenues for that stuff to come back to us, the, this, to us as well. This idea of reaping and sowing, it doesn't just apply to the good stuff. If you want to reap kindness, sow kindness. If you want to reap uh, financial blessings, sow financial blessing. But if all you sow is selfishness, you're going to receive wants. If all you, all you sow is, is, is anger, you're going to receive anger. This idea of sowing and reaping is so ingrained in the teachings of the Bible that we should never misunderstand that. We should always understand that, how that works. And the truth is, is that that when we are, 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 are stingy, instead of being generous, then we're never going to receive what God wants us to receive. And it, it's, it's not just about the stuff, right? How many rich and famous people have you heard that have everything? They have the money, they have the fame, but they're just miserable. What about the, the Charles Dickens, uh, the Christmas Carol? The whole point of that story is that this guy is stingy and on the surface, it looks like he has everything. It's like, I mean, he has all the money he could ever ask for. But he has nothing. And that's what that whole story is about, is him finally realizing that money's not the answer. I once heard a pastor tell a story about how uh, you know, he'd been pastoring for some time. He'd been doing everything that God wanted him to do. He was, he was walking it all out. And then one day, his house got flooded. And he lost everything. Like all of his stuff was completely destroyed, completely ruined. Nothing. And he couldn't understand why this happened to him. He was doing all the right things. And then ultimately the church came together and they were generous and they restored everything that he had lost. So he, In the end, he didn't really lose out on anything because God took care of him. And he said what he realized through that, that even as a pastor, that all his stuff was too important to him. He was so frustrated and even irritated with God about losing everything when God's like, I can get you more stuff. But he learned an important lesson in that situation was that the stuff wasn't important. It was God that was. 
And he finally had the, a real understanding of that. And then to continue on that principle is Luke 6.38. We'll go to the next slide here. It says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. So not only when we give or when we're generous do we open an avenue of blessing, you know, of, of, of reaping, but how we do so impacts how we reap as well. How much we receive in return is determined by how generous we really are. That's what the scripture is saying. It says that uh, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That means if you give a little, you'll get back a little. If you give a lot, then you'll get back a lot. And the question is, Pastor Wayne, do you really believe this? And the truth is, is that I do. I've seen it happen in my life. When I am generous, God has always made sure that things that, that I've been taken care of, he, he always gives me more in return. And I, I, I'm not telling you some of this stuff as a, as a, as a, as a way to brag because it's not has anything to do with me. It has to do with God did something inside of me, so I'm becoming more like him, and then he honors his word. But I've given away car, cars and instruments and money and all this stuff, and God always makes sure that I'm taken care of. And when I'm in need, and trust me, there's been times when I've been in need, and God makes sure that I'm taken care of because I've been faithful before, so He's faithful to me. I've given, so He always gives back. And I've not been stingy about my giving because that's, you know, we all have areas that we struggle with, right? In our faith. And uh, so, uh, interestingly enough for me, even though I, I teach on it, and I've done several multi-message uh, messages on it, multi-week messages on it, healing is an area of faith that I probably struggle with the most. But finances is one of my strongest areas of faith because from the beginning, when me and Michelle decided we're going to give everything back to God, we said, you know what? We're just going to be generous. We're going to give. We're never going to not, to not uh, give our offering even when we seems like it shouldn't. And it's just one of those things that we've, we've decided to do. And God has been so faithful in our lives. So yeah, I, I believe this with all of my heart. And I believe the same will be good for you. If you will honor God in your, in your, in your giving, and, and I know the word giving always, always comes back to money, but I don't just mean money. I mean time, your, 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 your stuff that you have, your, all of those things that come together. If you are generous, God will make sure that you're taken care of. And the more that I give in all those areas of my life, the more that I get back, and the same is true for you. Because the Scriptures are true. It says that with your measure you use it it'll be measured back to you luke sixteen ten says the one who is faithful in very little will be faithful in very much be faithful in what you have right now and you know what else this is something that i think people don't get is it's not about the amount if you don't have a lot then then god doesn't expect you to give the same as someone who has tons because it's not the same that's what the whole point of the, of the story of the widow and the widow's might was that she had nothing. She gave two pennies, which from a mechanical aspect would accomplish nothing. What could, what could be purchased for the church with two pennies? What could be accomplished with two pennies for, for, the, for the church in, in a society? 
So from a, a strictly mechanical standpoint, that was, that was a worthless offering. But what did Jesus say? She gave more than anybody here because it was all that she had. And I'm not saying that you have to give all that you have. That's between you and God. What you give, how much you give, that's between you and God. But I would encourage you to be faithful and give what, you, what God is telling you to give, to give what you, out of, based on what you have. If all you've got is 20 bucks in the account, it doesn't make sense for you to give $1,000. But if you're sitting on $100,000, it doesn't make sense for you to only give 20. Give from what you have and be faithful to God and see what he'll do it. And that's the thing is, is I, when we talk about this stuff, this isn't some sort of uh, 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 cosmic slot machine. or co I mean, this isn't like a, a, some sort of trade you're making with God. I want to be very clear with that. This isn't some way you can win one over on God. It's not a way, it's not, it's not the, a holy stock market, if you will. It's a principle that is true but this doesn't mean that if you give everything that you have that you're going to be rich. Some of you being rich would kill you. God isn't going to kill you. You hear about people that win the lottery and the next thing you know, two years later, they're broke. They're strung out on drugs. and like That wasn't good for them. That wasn't a blessing. The blessing from the Lord always makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. They may have had a lot of money, but that wasn't a blessing from God because it destroyed their life. So that's not what this is about. This isn't some sort of uh, investment plan because giving should never be about what you're going to receive. Giving is about honoring God, and it's about living out who you are in God. And this is just a result. But it's not why we do it. It's not why we give, but the truth is, is that it's a, it's a principle that is spoken about quite often in the Bible. And here's what I would say is that if God can get it through you, God will get it to you. Amen? And then in 1 John 3.17, let's go to the next one here. It says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? When we talk about being generous, it should be um, our desire as Christians to meet the needs of others. And like I said today, it, uh, this is not a finger-pointing thing. This church has been amazing. You guys have all stepped up. But I want to remind you that 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 it's a good thing that we're doing that and that, that, that it is a biblical thing. But as, as Christians, it should be our desire to meet the needs of those around us. And I'll be the first to admit, when I see somebody that is claiming to be a need, my first instinct is to be skeptical. I'm always asking God to help me deal with that attitude of my heart because that's my first instinct. When I was in, in high school, um, uh, I just had my first job and I, I saw this guy asking for money on the side of the road. So I gave him a $5 bill. I felt pretty good about myself. I wasn't really saved back then. This was all about me. And, uh, but then as I was working, I worked at a Denny's and I had an open, open kitchen. I could see, if you remember Denny's, you can see out into the area. And this guy comes in and he sits at the bar and he orders the most expensive thing on our menu and he tips the server really good, which I'm not complaining about that. My, the, what bothered me was that he was on the side of the road begging for money. He came in and spent like 40 bucks. I'm like, you could have made that last so much longer. So I felt like I had been taken advantage of. 
and be, and and I had been. I mean, obviously the and, and really I don't even know that. Maybe that's the first time he's ever had something nice, and he hasn't eaten in in six weeks. I didn't know. I just made a snap judgment, and 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 I felt like I was taken advantage of, and that has colored how I look at that stuff since that day. I mean, this was twenty something years ago, and I still have to fight that. But it's just like the guy who said, if somebody comes up to you and needs money. If he doesn't actually need it, that's a reflection of him. But if someone comes to you and says they need help and you don't give it, that's a reflection of you, whether they need it or not. But God has really been working on that over the past several years, and thank God I'm growing in that area every single day. But uh, here's what Hebrews 13:12 says. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained, entertained angels unaware so now i try to give it every opportunity i i try to be smart about it one of the things that my wife does my wife's smarter than me most of the time and i don't know why i didn't think of this because it's so simple and so brilliant but when somebody asks for money she just says what are you going to spend it on and some people are silly oh i'm going to get some beer like sorry i'm not going to help you with that I don't know why I never just thought to ask them what they were going to spend the money on, because then you could find out. If they're going to spend it on beer or, or cigarettes or all that stuff, I'm not, I'm not into to supporting that. But if they need food, if they need help for their family. So now I try to be as generous as I can and remember that it's a reflection on me, on how I, how I, I, how I respond to those things. And I still try to use wisdom. And uh, ask God if, if to, to guide me in those areas because there certainly are people out there trying to take advantage of people. But the thing is, is that I, I find great joy now in being generous because I think it's because I'm, I'm becoming more like who God has made me to be, fulfilling the purpose that God has for me. And God's love inside of us causes us to be generous, to take care of those in need. And John goes so far as to say that if we're not willing to be generous, then he questions the love inside of us. If you see your brother in need yet close your heart to him, how does God, God's love abide in you? That's a pretty strong challenge. Why does he say that? Because God's love challenges us and it changes us. Amen? So let's look at a couple of uh, quick passages on generosity and action. Let's go to the next slide. Luke 10, 30-35 says, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Next slide. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought to him an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This parable Jesus taught was to explain to us who is our neighbor. If you guys remember the story, um, Jesus said that the, the greatest command, one of the, the greatest commandments was to love God and to love your neighbor. And he said, well, who's, you know, they thought they were being clever. Well, who's my neighbor? Because if we could figure out who our neighbor is, then we could go ahead and create our list of who we help and who we don't help. 
So this is a story Jesus tells to iron that out. And you have to think about this. This is a Jewish man who got beat up. He's left on the side of the road. And this is a Samaritan. And the hatred between the Samaritan and the Jews was this long-standing hatred. This, was, this is one of those things that's you know, kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys or, or the, the Montagues and the Capulets. I mean, this was the kind of, of anger that at this point, the, the people that are dealing in it probably have no basis in reality. It just, it just is. They hate each other. But this Samaritan showed compassion and generosity for someone he should have hated. And Jesus says, He's a neighbor. And he's just trying to show us that this, this, your neighbor who you're supposed to love, who you're supposed to be generous to, who you're supposed to see their needs and meet him, isn't just the people in your household. It's not just the people in your church. It's not just your friends and family. It's even the people that you don't like. It's even the people that you don't know. We're supposed to love other people and show them Generosity. Jesus taught us to be generous with everybody who is in need. Amen? Next slide. Here's another example of generosity. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So you've got to imagine these churches, they're being afflicted, but they still have an abundance of joy. Why is that? Because... Jesus, but they're being afflicted and they have extreme poverty. They have nothing. They're, they're not even just like they're, they're having a bad day. It says extreme poverty. But it says, but they have overflowed of wealth and a wealth of generosity on their part. They have nothing, yet they still made it a point to give. For they gave according to their means. Remember what I talked about earlier? If you have a lot, you give a lot. If you have a little, it's according to your means. It's not, you're not competing with somebody else. But then he says, I can testify beyond their means and of their own accord. Next slide. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we ex expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. One, this is interesting because it's almost like Paul's like, we didn't expect this. But something happened. Something changed. They're being afflicted, yet they still have an abundance of joy. They're in extreme poverty, yet they still want to be generous. And not, they're giving not only uh, out of their means, but like they're giving everything. It says even above their means. They're like, you know what? We're willing to suffer to make sure that they're taken care of. And they put God first. This is such an interesting story to me because it's so unlike, I'll just be honest, it's so unlike me sometimes. The Macedonian church was this living example of the principle of generosity that God wants us to have. And through the grace of God, they were able to live like this. They begged to do it. What an unusual attitude. Exodus 36, 3-6 tells a story. Uh, when, when Moses was, was receive, uh, receiving contributions, they just kept giving and giving. And like I said, that was Exodus 36, 3-6. I'm not going to read it, but they just kept giving and giving. And finally, Moses had to say, stop. Could you imagine being so generous 
They had to tell you to stop. Well, I think every pastor in the world would love to see that in his church. So they were restrained from... But this is the, the kind of mentality that's unusual to us, but we see it in the Bible. So they begged to give, even out of their poverty. It's because they were concerned with giving themselves to the Lord and serving Him. And as a result, they were generous. In Matthew 6, 1-4, through that's the next slide. I do want to bring up a point of caution. I've already touched on it a little bit, but... Matthew 6, 1-4 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Next slide. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. One of the things that I want to talk about in being generous and giving and all this stuff, though, is, is this word of caution. And it's evaluating why do we do it. And this is just one aspect of it, is, is giving to be seen, giving to, to be praised by others, you're missing the point. And I talked about earlier, you know, if you, uh, during the offering, if you give out of some sort of sense of duty or compulsion, then you're, you're, you're missing it. Being generous is not about promotion. Being generous is not about making yourself right with God. We give because He gave everything to us. And we don't do it to, to make ourselves look good. We don't do it to, to pump up our own ego. We give because He gave everything to us. And how do you respond to, to, to someone who has been so generous to you that He gave everything for you, even his son's life for you. How do you respond in any other way than to be generous in return? But if we do it to receive a pat on the back, then we've already received our reward. You know, so that's the things that I want to caution us about. I talked about earlier. This also isn't a, a, a heavenly 401k. It's not an investment plan. We don't give to, to get. That's, you're missing the point. It's a reality, and we need to understand what the Bible says, but that's not why we do it. But if we will give generously in response to His love with a focus on Him, you will be rewarded. You will be taken care of. You will be make sure that you have everything that you need. And like I said, does it mean you're going to be rich? Nope. Like I said, it, it, for, the, for the immature, that'll kill them. But the one thing I know we can do is be faithful with little. And as we move forward, He'll continue to entrust us with more as we demonstrate our maturity and our focus on Him. Amen? And then finally, we'll end here in Matthew 25, 31-40. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne and before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and He will place the sheep on His right but the goats on the left. Next slide. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, you gave Me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. 
I was in prison, and you came to me. Next slide. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Church, when you are being generous, you're doing it to him. There's nothing that we can do to, to earn what has been done through us in Christ. We can't earn our salvation. We can't pay it back. Because it was a gift. But when we respond, the same way that he responded to us, we are doing it to him. Being generous is doing it to him. So church, I want to encourage you. Let's continue being a people who are generous in all things. Not just financially, but in our praise. Let's be generous in our worship. Let's be generous in our encouragement. Let's be generous in our faithfulness to one another. Let's be generous in showing honor to one another. Let's be generous in supporting one another. Let's be a people who are generous. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and bow your head.